mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello and welcome back to Kind of Cute. And if you are new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan. I'm your host. And on Kind of Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Y'all, it is episode 50. I am just so happy. And because I'm so thankful to every single one of you that has even listened to one moment of this podcast over the last 49 episodes, I'm about to put you on something real quick, okay? I am drinking a drink that is from one of my favorite local restaurants called Hullabaloo. They have this drink called the John Lennon. I posted on my Instagram stories how it's like my favorite local drink. So I decided tonight that I was going to recreate it myself. And guys, it is so easy and I'm sharing it with you now. Let this represent our 50th episode celebration. Okay, so this is how you do it. You make a little simple syrup. I used a Truvia granulated sugar blend that I buy at Publix. Uh, You can just use granulated sugar. You could use a sugar replacement. Whenever you make a simple syrup, it's always one part sugar to one part water. And you're going to heat that up till the sugar dissolves. Then you're going to dice up some strawberries and some, you're going to take some basil leaves, like a whole big bunch. You're just, you all, you just eyeball this, you know, like whatever you're vibing with. I put a fair amount of strawberries. I put a little bunch of basil. I let it soak in the simple syrup. I used one cup of water, one cup of, a half a cup of my Truvia blend. It's not one to one because it's Truvia. Okay. You don't care. But then you take some limes, squeeze those puppies. You're going to take some vodka. You're going to take the vodka. You're going to take the lime juice. You're going to take your simple syrup mixture, like just the the juice from the simple syrup, not the chunky parts. You're going to put it in a cocktail shaper, shake it up. Then you're going to pour it over ice. You're going to add in some fresh strawberries, some fresh basil, and some of your soaked strawberries and basil. Guys, this drink is so delicious. It goes down so well. Kenzie, can you vouch? She says 100%. It's amazing. I added on the it's amazing part, but just trust me, guys. So that is my gift to you. Again, thank you guys so much for all 50 of you. Literally, that's not me like being humble. It's really about 50 of you for listening all of these weeks and writing written reviews, subscribing to me on Apple Podcasts, giving me five-star ratings, hint, hint. It's been a wild ride, and I'm just so happy to be on it with you. All right, let's get into our little pop culture updates before we get into our articles. First up, Brooklyn Beckham, son of Victoria and uh, Beckham, bend it like, (laughs) I was like, bend it like Beckham, Beckham, yes, David Beckham. Uh, Their son is engaged to Nicola Peltz. Now, I don't know how well known this is, but well, first off, let's say that Brooklyn is only 21. Nicola is 25, so she's cougaring a little bit. Uh, She has a billionaire dad. His name is Nelson Peltz. He's kind of your typical, you know, hedge fund managing uber rich billionaire. And like every billionaire, he has a house in Palm Beach. We've talked about before how I live in West Palm Beach the uh, tramp side of Lady and the Tramp, where Palm Beach is the lady. And he has a huge complex. I'm calling it a complex because it's just so huge. I've seen photos of it. She posts photos of it a lot, actually. And it just has like, it's on the beach. It has all of this land, all these palm trees. And he, uh, Nelson, her dad, recently hosted a huge Trump fundraiser at his mansion. And this was notable because usually when Trump has fundraisers in Palm Beach. He obviously has them at Mar-a-Lago. 
So I'll let you make of that what you want to. Um, all I'm saying is that in 2017, Nicola was dating Anwar Hadid, so it seems a little fast to me. And I never think it's a good idea to get married at 21, especially on the boy's side, because a boy at 21 mentally is like 15 max. Like on a good day, he is 15. It is proven that a man's frontal cortex, frontal lobe, does not fully develop until he's 26 years old. So, you know, if any youngins out there are listening, um, Maybe hold it off until those frontal lobes are fully developed and your decision-making processes are a little bit better. Okay, guys, I just want to tell you about that because I hadn't heard that talked about much in the pop culture world, but I felt like it was worth noting. Um, next up, oh, guys, it's just this is a lot to get into. I don't even know where to start. The Wayfair Conspiracy. All right, to give you a little recap, and I'm sorry if you've already been inundated with information about this. But the concept was that I at least saw it through a Facebook post. It was this girl and she was like, I just went down a hole on Facebook and I'm so sorry. I always credit people if I know and remember where I got it from. But with this, and I'm going to talk about Free Britney today, I looked at so many sources and so many things. It's all just a jumble in my mind. So I'm kind of just speaking to you from memory right now. So the overarching idea, though, is that Wayfair had certain items that should not have cost as much as they did. For example, um regular storage cabinet being sold for $15,999.99. Uh, throw pillows for upwards of $12,000, like a throw pillow. So people started being kind of confused. And on top of that, these throw pillows and cabinets had the names of children who happened to be missing like Yuritsa, Desiree. They were kind of unique names like that. And each one of these cabinets, it'd be like the same cabinet, the same picture, but they would have different names in front of the cabinet name. Is that making any sense? I hope so. So people started exploring and they took the skew number from the cabinets and they entered it into this kind of like Russian dark website they entered in the SKU numbers and when they did that it brought up pictures of like little girls in bikinis very disturbing so then people started hypothesizing that these high-priced cabinets were a front for child trafficking and some people were even going as far as to say that children were being put inside these cabinets and shipped and people who worked at the warehouses were like, oh, damn, that cabinet really was heavy. Like, maybe it had a child in it. <laughs> okay. And like I said, some of these names miss the names of children or match the names of children who are on missing children lists. So people went way down. And I have to say that this started as like a QAnon theory on a Reddit page, which I believe QAnon are kind of like a far right conspiracy theorist in the that conservatives kind of follow, kind of in the line of Pizzagate, if you guys are familiar with that, um, which was a total just bullshit idea, which also had to do with child pedophilia. So this has really put everyone in a tizzy. There's been all these rumors that the CEO of Wayfair stepped down from his position. That, as far as I can tell, is not true. That did not happen. Um... And I'm here to give you kind of my theory on all of this. So I have a few theories of why these items were priced the way they were. I think that they were priced this way because they weren't actually an active sale. 
This happens on things like Depop and eBay when someone agrees to purchase something for a specific amount. This has happened on Depop where I've bought an item. The person says, I'm going to set the item at $9,999 so that no one else buys it because it would just be like a t-shirt or something. And then I will ship it to you and then it'll get, it'll show up as sold once I get the money for the transaction. So it kind of takes it off the market in that way because who's going to pay $10,000 for a regular old t-shirt? So part of me felt like it was something like that going on because Wayfair sells to interior designers and trade professionals and things like that. Uh, The other theory is that this is sort of along the lines of Amazon's FBA program where people buy things from China in bulk. They'll buy them from Alibaba, buy them in bulk, uh, get them shipped to them. They'll buy 500 units and then they will upcharge them and sell them on Amazon. And it's called the Amazon. It's basically an order fulfillment program where Amazon houses your materials for you. They ship it out for you. They handle all of the transactional fees and they take a percentage. I think something similar could have been happening at Wayfair. Like they had these third parties that were selling things and using this system of doing it. Now, then the question comes, okay, well, were they doing that to sell children? Maybe. I think that if people are trying to sex traffic, putting it online and causing taxable transactions, trackable transactions, would not be the smartest way to go about it. So I feel very on the fence as to if that is what was happening. But do I think that this could have been connected to it? I don't think children were getting shipped in cabinets. Do I think maybe this could have signaled to the sellers that were using Wayfair, like third parties that were using them as a selling marketplace, that they could have been doing this? Maybe. I Again, I don't know if I want to give a definite statement on that, but I will say if you don't think sex trafficking and human trafficking is a huge problem that exists throughout this entire world, you really have your head in the sand. It is a huge, huge problem, and most likely it is happening literally in your backyard, especially in Florida. All of the port cities here are some of the cities that are the most guilty of having human trafficking occur. And a lot of times the people are trafficked and it goes like this. They are told that they can come to America. They can fulfill the American dream. They can work off their debts that it took for them to get away to America. And then they can create money of their own, send it back to their families in the foreign country. But in reality, what happens is they become totally indentured servants slaves completely trafficked and they never see a dime and basically they're living in America but they're not seeing any of the money and I'm telling you that happens a lot and the line gets blurred between that happening and sex trafficking like they both happen in conjunction with one another so Again, I'm not trying to downplay. I 100% realize sex trafficking occurs. Oh, and you want to know another crazy ass fact? And this was actually revealed in Robert Kraft. Again, in fucking like 30 minutes north of me, the whole Robert Kraft thing when he was going to a massage parlor and it was uncovered that they were doing sex acts at this massage parlor. And a girl I know literally would go there and get massages. So don't think that just because a place offers legitimate services that they aren't doing shady shit behind the scenes. And I can almost guarantee you, start looking out for it now that I'm telling you this. 
you're going to pass a strip mall. You're going to see something that says like massage. It won't be very descriptive. And 90% of the time, again, I'm just, you know, rough balling here. Those are fronts for sex trafficking. And to me, this isn't conspiracy theory stuff. This is just reality of what goes on. So I think in a way we get distracted when we get caught up in these like, ooh, crazy conspiracy theories when this stuff is legit happening and it's happening in our backyard. So that is my thought on the Wayfair conspiracy for anyone who's asked for me to cover it. There we go. If you'd like me to delve into it further, clarify some things I said, let me know. I also want to give an update on Jada Pinkett Smith. So as we noted last time, Jada said she was bringing herself to the red table after she got accusations from August about them having a love affair together and all of that. So she sat down with Will Smith and she basically admitted to having a thing with August, but she says that it happened at a time when her and Will were separated. She said, we were over. From there, as time went on, I got into a different kind of entanglement with August. So, so many people have been making memes about her saying entanglement. It'll be like, I didn't cheat on my diet. I just had an entanglement with Krispy Kreme. (laughs) So, I don't know. At least like she did. They were very careful to say that August wasn't being dishonest or misrepresenting what happened. So, at least hopefully his name doesn't become completely marred through all of this and his album sales increase so it's a win-win for everyone maybe and Jada and Will seem like they're happier than ever and everything is hunky-dory unfortunately on a sadder note Naya Rivera's body was found we talked about that how her body was missing and I think it was pretty much presumed that she had passed but it took a little while to find her body And it's so freaky deaky because her body was found seven years to the day after Corey Monteith, he played Finn on Glee. His body was found on July, or I'm sorry, he was found, passed away on July 13th, 2013. And her body was found on July 13th, 2020. So it's just really a creepy parallel, not a conspiracy theory thing, but just just a weird universe thing. All right, next up we have the free Britney saga conspiracy theory I have had more requests to talk about free Britney than I have maybe had about any other topic on this podcast and I almost feel like I'm probably not the best person to talk about it because I don't know if I'm as knowledgeable as I should be I tried to do so much research I read so many articles and I still, and I looked into California conservatorships, which is what she's under. She's currently under a personal and estate conservatorship, as far as I can tell, which means that it's not just her estate and her finances that are being controlled, but also her personal decisions. So I will read you the kind of Instagram post that's been going around, and I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen. So I'm not sure. Okay, it looks like this is credit to someone named Brandon Hayes at Trash Bandicoot on Instagram. So I'm just going to read this all. Buckle up. It says, PSA on Britney Spears and the Free Britney movement. For anyone that needs or wants more information on what is going on with her, it's a fucking rabbit hole, so buckle up. A little backstory first. Britney was a child star starting at the age of four years old on Broadway and then worked her way to the Mickey Mouse Club and eventually the solo career we know today. 
Her career has been on autopilot her entire life. If you look back at her music, she's been telling everyone for years she's too controlled and treated as a product if you listen to the lyrics of most of her hits. Examples include Lucky, Overprotective, My Prerogative, Circus, Peace of Me, and Gimme More. Her music videos, social media posts, tour props, and photo shoots regularly show her in a cage or in chains. If anyone has ever seen videos of her when she was younger, you know her real singing voice is very similar to Christina Aguilera's. Her record label didn't like it as they were both on the Mickey Mouse Club and about to release their debut albums at the same time. So they had her voice retrained to sing in the baby voice we all know today because they believed it to be more iconic and would create a brand and career for her instead of her real voice. It's unhealthy, and it's been destroying her voice over the years. That's why she's known for lip syncing. She wanted to make an acoustic-type pop album in 2006 titled Original Doll and reinvent herself using her real voice. The album was shelved and canceled once her label realized she'd be singing in her real voice. She isn't allowed to sing live because she will either fail terribly or she'll have to sing in her deep voice that she isn't known for. Her entire career, she has been treated like a product meant to sell. Now for the real tea. Everyone remembers the 2007 meltdown. Everyone. Leading up to the meltdown, Brittany was going through a public divorce, had two children under the age of two at the time, and was very much the focus of the public. We all saw her on every magazine cover. We also saw the photo of her with one of her kids on her lap while driving. Go on YouTube once and look up Britney Spears' paparazzi. You'll watch her be chased and followed by hundreds of them, even trying to get into a public restroom to photograph her. Videotaping her in tears, asking them to leave her alone, and even filming her through the windows of an ambulance while she was naked being taken away for her final mental health hold. After the public meltdown, shaving her head, locking herself in her home with her children, speaking in a British accent on a regular basis, wearing the infamous pink wig everywhere, and shopping naked, she was hospitalized twice. After the hospitalization, her father petitioned the courts to be a temporary conservator to her until she was mentally stable and on- for only one year's time. Two months after her hospitalization, she did a guest appearance on How I Met Your Mother. Six months after her hospitalization, she drops the Womanizer video and starts to promote her new album, Circus, with its worldwide tour that grossed $131.8 million. If she's so unwell, why did she start working right away? Her father, after one year, petitioned the courts for the conservatorship to become permanent due to her allegedly having early-onset dementia in her 20s. It passed, and it has been that way ever since, for 12 years to be exact. Now, for everyone that doesn't understand what that means, let me break it down for you. Britney Spears is now a 38-year-old woman who is not allowed to do the following without her father's permission, or he can legally lock her up in a mental health facility. Drive a car, vote, get married, have children, spend her own money, see how her money is being spent, see her children, leave her home, hire her own lawyer, have any control over her career. Oh, and I'm sorry, I skipped this part. She has 30% of both of her boys due to her dad assaulting one of her sons. Speak about the conservatorship publicly. Do interviews that aren't scripted and all final cuts are approved by her father as well. Use a cell phone without being monitored. Use social media unmonitored. Contact anyone without being monitored, having them extremely vetted. Iggy Azalea allegedly had her house searched for drugs top to bottom when they collaborated on a song together. Go shopping. Go for a walk. Get Starbucks. A conservatorship is meant for people with mental health issues or decaying health. Most likely, grandparents or people with actual dementia, etc. They are meant for people who literally cannot take care of themselves. If she is so unwell that she is immensely capable of doing anything for herself, why is she still working? Since the conservatorship began 12 years ago, she has released four albums, done three worldwide tours, did a four-year Vegas residency, was a full-time judge on X Factor, released multiple perfumes and a lingerie line, made $138 $138 million or so a year. 
In January of last year, Brittany was placed in a mental health facility for three months after being seen driving her car to in and out with her boyfriend without permission and for refusing to take the sedating medications her father had doctors prescribing her to keep her under control. She testified to a judge in documents that she was held there against her will by her father. After it was leaked to the press that she was there against her will, the Free Britney movement picked up speed, causing a judge to open an investigation into the impact and legality her conservatorship has on her life. Britney's mother, Lynn, was also liking and commenting on Free Britney posts, saying that she agrees that Britney is trapped by her father. Britney's team had Twitter disable the Free Britney hashtag and regularly threatens any celebrity that speaks out using the hashtag with a lawsuit if they don't remove their support for the movement. She was seen shortly after leaving a hotel through the front door, stumbling while carrying her shoes and out of it. Her team used that moment to justify to the public that she needed this conservatorship. She is not allowed to have any say in the hiring or firing of anyone on her team. Every year, she pays $1.1 million in fees for the conservatorship to continue, including paying her father a solid 100 k plus salary and paying a lawyer she isn't allowed to choose. She isn't allowed an allowance of around $1,500 a week for bills, shopping, and essentials. Her net worth is $250 million. So there's a little bit more to it, but kind of just saying that this is a woman who doesn't have control over her life, essentially. So when I was doing the research on this, I was trying to look up conservatorships in California and how they work there. And I came upon this strange YouTube video that was actually recommended by the California courts. And it was published seven years ago, but it looked like it was made in 1977. It was so bootleg. I can't even explain it. Um, and I it does kind of confirm to me that usually these conservatorships, like I had thought, are mainly used for elderly people who really have no control at that point over their brain or their life. So it is odd for someone of Brittany's age. If we're thinking that she's 38 now, 12 years ago, she would have been 26 years old when she was placed on this. And the craziest part about it to me is the fact of how much she has worked since then. It's my understanding that if it's not someone elderly, it's someone so extremely disabled that they cannot work. They they don't they can't hold a normal job, and it's part of the reason that their finances have to be so closely monitored. So I think it is very strange that she's been under this conservatorship for so long. But at the same time, I think when you watch her Instagram videos, you're kind of like, oh, is she really all there? You know, I think she's been so been through so much and she's unfortunately gone through the terrors of being a child star. I actually with Kenzie with other night we watched showbiz kids and it's by Alex Winter, who was a showbiz kid himself and it interviews a lot of people who were child stars like Mila Jovovich, uh, Evan Rachel Wood, Will Wheaton, uh, Mara Wilson who played Matilda and kind of just saying how even the system if you're not like sexually abused you're still mentally abused and you go through so much shit and you're just you don't live a normal childhood and how it fucks you up. And obviously we've kind of as a society learned that because we see what happens to so many childhood stars, but it was interesting seeing it firsthand from their perspective. So I understand that she is probably dealing with so much stuff, but the free Britney movement comes up over and over again because every six months she basically goes to the court for basically what my understanding is like a status report of how the conservatorship is going and there's rumors that 
as of recently, I believe it was back in September, that she asked to be released from her conservatorship. And the plot thickened more because her own mother apparently is wanting some say over it so that her father, who, as I mentioned in that, Kevin Federline, who is the mother of, you know, Britney's two sons, he filed a lawsuit against Jamie Spears, her father, who's in charge of the conservatorship, for abusing one of the kids. So it is, it's almost like a conflict of interest that someone that she that can't be around her kids is representing her life in this way. But to get to the conspiracy side of this, people are saying that she's leaving coded messages in her Instagrams and that her boyfriend is her handler. Because there definitely are videos where he's filming with her and you can see him mouthing at her to smile. Okay, again, as much as I love a conspiracy theory... I don't know if I buy that he's her handler. I think he wants her to present a good face on Instagram. Do I think there's a high chance that she is not in charge of posting? Like she needs to get her posts on Instagram approved by someone? Yeah. But people are saying that like on her hat, she's written help. Beneath her eyelashes, she's written call 911 and mascara, which like if someone can figure out how to easily do that with a mascara wand, hit me up, let me know. Um... People are saying that she'll wear a certain color shirt to signal to people that she needs help. So I don't I don't know how I feel about all of that. Um, and I, I know I spent a long time just reading that Instagram post, but it's one of those things that the more I read about it, the more I'm just kind of left confused why the court continues to let her be in this conservatorship unless there's something that we don't know as the public. But it's not the first time a judge has made a bad choice. So who knows? Hopefully her mom can get some say in what's going on and that'll bring light to everything and hopefully alleviate some of the problems that are happening if Brittany is truly having those. All right, next up. A cut article by Claire Lampin alerted me to Disney World's bizarre reopening ad. Frankly, I am shocked that Disney has reopened with the way shit is going in Florida. And I felt like this was semi-relevant to me and worth mentioning because my family does have an annual Disney pass this year that obviously we haven't been able to use because uh, my hometown where my parents live is only about an hour from Disney. Our passes are blacked out right now anyway, so I don't have any intention of going there anytime soon and it is hot as balls. But to describe the ad to you, it's various cast members, as Disney calls their workers, saying welcome home while they're wearing a mask and they look a little Stockholm syndrome-y, if I had to say so myself. Uh, I'll try to insert some audio if I can get it in here. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. But the hilarious part of about this is that people have done edits <laughs> saying this like looks like a horror movie. So once they had in the article, it was someone putting the Us remix to put five on it on top of it and taking the tone of the color down. And it looks so spooky. <laughs> but the most hilarious and disturbing one is one where someone has dubbed the audio so that the people in masks are saying, stay home, don't come, it's dangerous. <laughs> And it works beautifully because since they're wearing a mask, you can't see their mouths moving. Stay home. Stay home. It's not safe. Please, please. stay home. We don't 
God, I, I just don't know. Uh, okay, next up. The goddess and creator of Hot Girl Summer, Megan Thee Stallion. We actually talked about her in one of our first kind of cute episodes because it was when um, Hot Girl Summer was really blowing up last year and I felt like she wasn't the due credit she getting the due credit she deserved for coining the term Hot Girl Summer. So I'm going to preface this by saying that she was shot, but she is okay, and it's very unclear what actually happened. But on her Instagram, she wrote as follows. The narrative that's being reported about Sunday morning's events are inaccurate, and I'd like to set the record straight. On Sunday morning, I suffered gunshot wounds as a result of a crime that was committed against me and done with the intention to physically harm me. I was never arrested. The police officers drove me to the hospital where I underwent surgery to move, remove the bullets. I'm incredibly grateful to be alive and that I'm expected to make a full recovery, but it was important for me to clarify the details about this traumatic night. I'm currently focused on my recovery so I can return back to my life and back to making music as soon as possible. So that is a picture of text that's her actual Instagram photo. And then the caption to the photo says, I was never arrested. This whole experience was an eye opener and a blessing in disguise. I hate that it took this experience for me to learn how to protect my energy. Okay, so the cut writes that according to Variety, earlier that even evening, Megan and Tori Lanez attended a party at Kylie Jenner's house. Later, the two were in an SUV together in Hollywood, and then two shots were fired in the air. Police later pulled over Tori, and they found a weapon in his car, and Megan and other women were also in the vehicle. Tori was reportedly arrested on felony charges at 4.40 a.m. Sunday, and he was released on a $35,000 bond around six hours later. So we don't know exactly what went down, but I'm just very glad Megan is okay, and if Tori did do this, like, dude, that's fucked up. Okay, a little lighter note. Kenzie and I have been watching Down to Earth, which is Zac Efron's new eco-tourism, global climate change, basically him trying to be like a woker, a, a global climate change woke Anthony Bourdain, RIP. And uh, really what I want to talk about in this is two things. First off, if any of you guys know who Dan Bilzerian is, Zach be looking like a straight up Dan Bilzerian. Everyone's like, ooh, daddy, like with the scruff and like with the little bit like filled out body. All I see is Dan Bilzerian, known womanizer, disgusting, not a fan. Literally, he's just like, post pictures of girls like butts on his Instagram of him heading him like hitting their butt cheeks and like saying how he can get any girl he wants and he's so rich it's just not a cute look I I'm not into it I mean I love Zach but like the the parallels of his looks between him and Dan Belzerian our other issue with it is is that there's some bizarre and obvious sponsorships we counted GoPro Hilton uh Ruka Skateswear what which one kayak. oh kayak Samsung and so I was kind of like, okay, interesting choices. And this is my fault and my lack of investigative journalism. But I'm like, how many of these companies are actually really helping the fight against global climate change? Um, let me know. If anyone knows, maybe I'll research that for next week because I'm not sure that they are. Okay, next up. And I'm sorry, guys, this is like a long episode. We just had a lot of ground to cover today. And this next article is not a cut article, but I felt like it was too wild not to share, especially since I just binged the reboot of Unsolved Mysteries. And you better believe that I gobbled that show up as a child and I'm gobbling it up today. Okay, so the name of this article is Alyssa Turney Went Missing and Her Sister Turned to TikTok for Help by Katie Garrity. 
It says, True crime junkies have been chomping at the bit recently after a woman's TikTok account went viral after she shared information in regards to her missing sister. Sarah Turney turned to TikTok to try and get exposure shed on the disappearance of her sister, Alyssa Turney. Sarah believes she knows what happened to her sister and is out to prove that it was her father, Michael Turney, Alyssa's stepfather, that abused, kidnapped, and eventually murdered Alyssa. All right, so I'm going to give you guys a little background info. Alyssa went missing in 2001, and at the time, she was living with her stepdad and her stepsister, Sarah, the TikToker we just talked about, because sadly, Alyssa's mom had passed away. So apparently, the stepdad treated Alyssa unfairly and was way more strict with her than she was with Sarah. And one day, the stepdad told Sarah that Alyssa was missing. And when they got home, there was a note allegedly from Sarah saying that she took, I'm sorry, from Alyssa, saying that she took $300 and left to go to California. But the weird part is, is that in the years that Alyssa was missing, she hadn't contacted anyone including the aunt that she was supposed to be living with and her bank account, which had $1,800 and it was untouched. Her social security number had never been used. So she hadn't applied to a job or gone to school. And here's where it gets even more complicated. People claim that the same day the stepdad said Alyssa was missing, he actually picked her up from school around lunchtime. And this was confirmed by her boyfriend and her friends because she was supposed to go to an end of school party that very night. And even more suspiciously, the stepdad allegedly ran audio tapes constantly monitoring his house like for security. And conveniently, they were shut off on this particular day. So officers eventually get a search warrant and they find 26 homemade pipe bombs as well as a 90-page manifesto. And in the manifesto, the stepdad suggested that his stepdaughter had been abducted and killed by two men from an electrical union he worked for as revenge. He said he had avenged her death by killing them in return, but both the men he named were found to have died of natural causes. So the kicker here is that the stepdad actually went to prison for having the pipe bombs in his house. But through her TikTok, Sarah has garnered attention for this case and basically, you know, opened up Alyssa's disappearance case. So the police recently announced that they are submitting Alyssa's missing person case to the prosecutor's office for charges against the stepdad. Despite the claims that they would arrest the stepdad after he was released from prison for the pipe bombs, Sarah says that they've changed their minds and encouraged Sarah to get media attention. So since then, Sarah has also raised enough money to spread awareness about her sister on a billboard in Arizona. So she's caught this huge billboard put up for asking for anyone who has information about her to give it. And this story actually reminded me a lot of the Lena story on Unsolved Mysteries episode six. And it's just really chilling and creepy. And I hope that there is justice for her death. That being said, let's do something really fun and lighthearted after that. Uh, The cup posed some what I consider very difficult would you rather questions. And I really think that would you rather questions can offer a glimpse into someone's psyche. So I'm going to share my responses and then you can give me your your thoughts. You can reach out to me at Bailey Evan or at Kind of Cute Podcast or leave a five star written review. Let's get into it. First up, would you rather sweat milk or sneeze glitter? To me, this is such an easy one. Like, obviously, I'd rather sneeze glitter. How bomb would that be? Like, everyone says glitter is the herpes of the crafting world, but I love glitter. I mean, it would just make 
a sneeze that more enjoyable if i'm sweating milk that's gonna get rancid real quick like my sweat smells bad enough already i don't need it curdling on my skin next up would you rather do legless or aragorn i thought this was a very fitting question since we had a whole segment about whether or not you were a legless or aragorn or aragorn why can't i say aragorn aragorn girl aragorn girl okay i'm going with aragorn though we know we like a tall dark and handsome moment Next up, would you rather have eyebrows that move all around your face or cry oil paints? Again, I said these were like some hard ones. This isn't hard at all. Obviously, I'd rather cry oil paints. Can you think of the fire Instagrams I could get from that? Like I can already imagine it now. I would just be posing there like, oh, work, work, honey. Like, oh, it'd be beautiful. And then I like wouldn't have to buy oil paints, which are really expensive. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Like, why did I include that article? I don't know either, guys. It's just the 50th episode. I wanted to give you guys something long, something juicy, something to really get your teeth into, get you thinking. Last week, we talked about the TikTok drama between Charlie D'Amelio and Little Huddy and how TikTok may not be much longer in the U.S. But this week, I bring you some teenage ingenuity from TikTok. Now, I'm not going to use my minuscule platform to condone underage drinking, but you cannot deny that these teens really took the reins of what is going on right now and used it to their benefit. So the headline is, Teens are disguising as mask-wearing grandmas to buy beer by Sanjita Singh Kurtz. So the headline sort of says it all, but I'm going to read you a little bit of what the article says. In a TikTok trend first reported by the New York Post, it seems that some teenagers have been running an elaborate booze buying scheme that involves using face makeup and costumes to impersonate senior citizens. One video shows a young woman in sunglasses, a face mask, and a headscarf with her dark hair and brows lightly powdered in gray, walking into a wine shop and out again with a few bottles of wine. She then twerks merrily on the side of the road with her loot. Now, maybe this is a controversial opinion, but if these kids are going to take all the time it takes to put on prosthetics, maybe they deserve a little wine. You know, not getting wasted, not driving drunk, but like in the safety of their own home, having a little glass of wine. They they might deserve that after all that effort. All right, up next we have another disappointing story from the food world. I feel like we've been getting so many of these lately. And it is, is LA's trendiest brunch spot serving horrible moldy jam by Amanda Arnold. Okay, full disclosure, as usual, I always tell you guys what's up. (laughs) I have never eaten at Squirrel, but when I was in LA last time, I did go there and I did buy a jar of this very jam that is the subject of this article. They constantly rotate their flavors and I believe mine was something like a rhubarb blood orange. It was delicious. I love jam. Bone Maman is my girl. If you'll recall, last year I bought the Bone Maman advent calendar with 24 tiny jams, and that shit legit made my December. I am to this day still eating those jams, and they do not have mold on them. So back to the squirrel jam. It was good, but it cost 14 forking dollars, and it was not $14 good, I can tell you that. But let's get into what the article says. It's difficult to overstate the influence of Squirrel, a massively popular counter service cafe on the edge of Silver Lake. What started as a tiny jam business nearly a decade ago has since evolved into one of Los Angeles's hippest brunch destinations, regularly drawing crowds of locals and visitors alike who are willing to endure interminable lines for James Beard-nominated chef Jessica Coslow's new California dishes. Of all the cafe's offerings, one of the most iconic and Instagrammed is the famed ricotta toast, a hefty slab of burnt brioche that nearly buckles under an obscene amount of fresh ricotta and jam. 
Now, I am not above paying an ungodly amount for a good piece of toast with jam. See the mill in uh, San Francisco. Like, hit me up with that cinnamon toast. I would do it again all over. But this leads us into kind of the issue uh, that this story is highlighting. That Silver Lake has undergone a lot of gentrification in the past couple of years. And it has kind of that Brooklyn vibe to it, I think, because of that. And Squirrel was one of the first entities that I know of that really started this. And it says the New York Times has credited Coslo with building an empire out of artisanal small batch jam. But as it turns out, that empire wasn't entirely made out of preserved boysenberry and hibiscus and rose geranium. It was also apparently built on mold. At least so say a number of former Squirrel employees who recently claimed that Squirrel's jam regularly grew thick layers of mold, which employees were instructed to scrape off the preserves before serving them to unknowing customers. So obviously that is disgusting. And back to the gentrification thing, I mean, it does cause problems to the community there um, because then it can price them out of the neighborhood. So it's just things I want you to keep in mind in the context of this story. So the moldy jam drama started to unfold over the weekend when a man named Joe Rosenthal, who describes himself as a scientist and food antagonist, began sharing accusations from apparent current and former squirrel employees. According to Rosenthal's story, squirrels' bulk jams, what is served at the brick-and-mortar cafe, regularly develop visible mold. We're talking about some buckets having like a quarter inch of mold covering the entire tops of gallon buckets. Furthermore, the Post alleged that Coslo, however you say the owner's name, instructed employees to simply remove the mold before serving the jam to customers and that employees were told that the health inspectors gave us permission to scoop the mold off if it went two inches down. Okay, maybe my knowledge of mold is wrong, but I'm pretty sure that if mold is even touching or around what you're eating, it's infected the rest of it. Don't get me wrong. When I have a moldy strawberry, don't. I just did this for the cocktail I was talking about. Yeah, damn straight. I just cut off that mold and throw it in the disposal and I eat the rest of the strawberry. Um, but that's probably not the best thing to do. So anyways, the plot thickens. According to Eater, the mold allegations came in the midst of growing backlash regarding Squirrel's lack of diversity and rolling gentrifying the neighborhood. Now, some non-white former employees are claiming that Coleslaw, I'm just going to call her Coleslaw, uh, took credit for their work. Former chef de cuisine Javier Ramos posted to his Instagram account that he didn't get recognition or payment for the recipes that he contributed to the cookbook. And former employee Ria Dali Barbosa also spoke out about being denied credit for her work. So that's the other thing that I, I had also read somewhere. I'm not sure if this is the people talked about in this article that a black woman says she was the one who came up with their jam recipe and has never gotten credit or reimbursement for it. Uh, but to make my soul feel a little better, apparently squirrels retail jams of jars, uh, jam jars, which is what I got, are hot packed in the oven. So they're shelf stable up to two years. So I guess I didn't have to worry about the moldy jam in my case. So yay for me. Um, and people are asking, like, should they now cancel their pre-order of the squirrel jam? Coleslaw's forthcoming jam cook cook. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have the answer for you. 
<laughs> but I don't think we touched on why they think they they haven't confirmed why this mold was happening. Some are saying it was from fans blowing the mold spores around. Who knows? I don't know if we'll ever know. They'll probably keep selling moldy jam because people can get away with a lot of shit these days. I swear to God. Let's get into legit shit because I am two drinks deep in those John Lennons now and we just got to get this show on the road. So first up is Mason Gray LA robes. Now these robes are pricey. I fortunately got mine on sale on the 4th of July and they just randomly sent me a cute little eye mask to go with it, which was so sweet. Like, so thank you, Mason Gray LA, if you ever hear this. But this robe is just so soft. It is my ideal robe. Like if I was going to design a robe, it would be this. Because in the past, I've had a lot of little silky ones, which are nice because I don't like to be too hot in a rope. But the silky ones a lot of times are hard to keep tied, like closed, and I'm flashing everyone. And um, they're a little too short, so I'm flashing. Yeah, I'm flashing people in a lot of directions, you know. The mason gray ones do have some slits, but they have short and long, and I have one of the longer versions. And I just feel covered, and I feel comfy, and luxurious and it's there's nothing better to have a face mask in, in when you're doing this and they're a fairly small brand out of LA their stuff is sold on places like shop Up, I think and revolve but still a small business and my other one is another thing I got from a black owned beauty company from Hyperskin, and it is their vitamin c serum now I can't say yet that this has like re you know surfaced my skin or done anything crazy but I do a lot of times have some sensitivity to vitamin C, which is apparently pretty weird because it's a, an ingredient that a lot of people can tolerate pretty well on their skin, and it's great for your skin. It's brightening. Um, but I've been using this for about a week now, and so far I really like it. I haven't had any breakouts, any irritation from it. It seems so natural. It has fruit enzymes in it. So love that. Check it out. And uh, I'll see you guys next week for our 51st episode. We're like officially over the hill. Thank you for listening. Bye.